Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we have a good show for you this week. We're going to be covering the NHL draft. We're going to be talking about the Anderson trade. We've also got writer Thomas Harrington on, who uh, does a lot of the coverage on the prospects and the draft as well to talk about everything. And later on in the show, we also have one of the Ducks' newest members, uh, Alex Dosti. He'll be on uh, later on. We'll ask him a couple questions and, and talk about uh, his experience uh, going through the draft and how excited he is. So with that, <laughs> we'll go back a few days earlier in this week. The Ducks made a, a big move. Uh, Eddie, you and I, we talked about this on the show last week. We talked about Anderson getting traded, and we said that if he was going to get moved, it would be for two draft picks, and it happened. He got traded for two draft picks, and uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? Because you know, obviously a lot of fans were not happy with this move. Um, I think if, uh, you know, at the time I thought it was a pretty good move. I, I liked getting a first-round pick, although it, it's a, the latest first-round pick you can have. Um, I mean, we we heard Murray say he wants to get some more picks. He picked up one this year, one next year. Uh, we obviously know that now that that pick ends up being uh, Sam Steele. I think I think they're um, what they wanted to do was to use those picks to trade up. Um, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people were were biting on that, and and they wanted to get I think into about the, probably the top fifteen, and it just didn't work out. But I think with the two players we got, um, you know, obviously getting Sam Steele with the pick from there, and we'll have to find out who they get next year. I, I think it was a pretty good deal, and we saw Brian Elliott go. Um, in the draft too for for two second round picks to Calgary and and I mean his resume, uh, as of late and his stats are a lot better than Freddie. So I think, I think with with that, um, the, you know the the um the return was just uh, where it should be. Thomas, what did you think? Uh, you know, obviously, like Eddie said, we've got that first round pick now out, out of the way. Uh, but what were your initial thoughts when Anderson was traded? Did you like the trade? Dislike the trade? Or kind of in between? Uh, I, mean, I liked the trade in so much as that we had to make it, and the return we got, what I thought was very good. Um, a first-round pick this year, a second-round pick next year. And the Ducks have made some very, very good picks in the second round in recent years. Brandon Montour, Marcus Pedersen, John Gibson. So they know what they're doing in the second round. Um, I think they probably would have tried to get, like to get a second-round pick this year, but uh, Toronto obviously wasn't buying because we're getting one for next season. It's a very, very nice asset. Um in terms of actually trading Anderson, uh, I think he's a great, great goalie. He worked really well at Anaheim, so I'm sorry to see him go. Um, but with the expansion draft coming up next year, the Ducks had to make a choice. And with Anderson wanting, you know, four or five million a season, um, it made sense to, to trade him and keep Gibson since he's younger and has a much smaller cap hit. Um, personally, I would love to keep both, but with that expansion draft, you got to make that choice. Um, and I think it was better to get, make the trade when they did because there weren't that many teams looking for a goaltender. Um, so now they don't have to sit with both. I mean, I, the uh, Pittsburgh already said next season they will probably be starting with both uh, Matt Murray and Mark Andre Fleury, and that situation the Ducks just didn't want to be in. Yeah, exactly. And so the Ducks, you know, avoided that uh, situation and they don't have to deal with it. And now it kind of leads us to one fan question, Eddie. Uh, you know, Laura asks about the Ducks getting a decent backup goalie and who would they go after? And you know, that's another thing that Murray needs to work on. We didn't take one in the draft. Um, so what do you think? Who, who are some players out there that the Ducks, you know, might try to target and bring in as a backup to Gibson? Well, unless they bring one in um, in a trade, I, I think there's a couple decent options available in free agency. Uh, I'll mention the the one that I, that I was talking about earlier. I, I think, you know, Thomas has another one as well. Um, I, you know, I like uh, Chad Johnson, for, played for Buffalo last year. Uh, he's a UFA, made 1.3 million this year. I think he'll probably get a little bit of a raise around, you know, backup money around like two, two and a half, kind of what we paid uh, Hudobin when we uh, signed him last time. So, you know, I, I think he'd be really, a really good option unless Buffalo decides to take him back. He was, uh, you know, a steady backup there. Took over for when uh, when Lane was hurt, and, and you know, on a, a really bad Buffalo team, he played really well. And and I think he would be a a great option to play 20 30 games for us next year. I mean, he he shared a bulk of the load in Buffalo and I, I think he, you know, he would be a good option. And Thomas, who do you think would be a good option for the Ducks? So there are two players I think I would look at. I my ideal choice would be James Reimer, but unfortunately, he's going to be too expensive. He's probably going to want to try to start somewhere or at least split time. Um so he'd be my first choice, but again, I don't think it's happening. I also don't 
think you know, I've heard you didn't get along with Carlisle, so he's not coming to Anaheim, unfortunately. Um, the other player I would look um, that I think is a possibility is Amontoya. Um, Eric Stevens, uh, one of the Ducks beat writers, uh, actually tweeted about him specifically uh, sometime in the last week. I forget exactly when. Um, one of the nice things about Montoya is he's 30, but he's also a relatively cheap goalie. His last contract was just over a million dollars. Um, and one of the things that's helped the Ducks be very successful over the last uh, several years is having a very good goalie tandem, but one that does not cost a lot of money. Um, so with Gibson making what is it, 2.3, uh, with Montoya making just over a million dollars, that would save the Ducks a ton of cap room and let them make other moves, make it easier to sign Raquel, uh, Lindholm, and the rest. Yeah, I agree with you, Thomas. I think it would make sense. That's a that's a good pick too, as well. I you know I don't think the Ducks could go wrong with either one of these, but it's definitely something that they're going to have to try to figure out here. Uh, you know, obviously going forward with Gibson as the man uh, and net. And, you know, it kind of goes into this topic of free agency as well for other players. Uh, we had another uh, fan ask about this too, Eddie. Uh, Adam, he asked about uh, left wings and looking at Ladd and Erickson. He also brought up the uh, the Fowler and the JVR trade. Uh, Nash as well, which I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a no-go uh, for Anaheim uh, based upon one of my contacts in New York that is, uh, she told me what's going on in that situation. But looking at these other players, you know, Ladd, Erickson, JVR, uh, what do you think? Is uh, another need for the Ducks is going to be a left wing, uh, and Murray obviously specifically stated a left shooting one as well. So what are your thoughts, Eddie? And, and I think it realistically has to come from a trade. Um, I don't think the Ducks can afford and are willing to to pay out the money that some of these free agents are going to want. Obviously, Lucic's name has been thrown around. Uh, Erickson is still out there, Andrew Ladd. And I think they're going to command you know, a, a pretty big uh, pay rise in their salary in, in free agency and, and some decent term around four to five years. And I don't think Murray is prepared to sign any of those guys for that long at that much. So I think it has to come from a trade. Obviously, we talked a lot about JVR before the Freddie uh, trade, and I think you know it's still an option. You don't see a lot of teams, you know, come back to the well and make a second big trade, in, you know, in such a short time. But uh, you know, it, it just fits. I think it, it's definitely still an option to look at. And you know, obviously there were rumors we were talking to Buffalo, um, some issues with Evander Kane now. So you never know what goes on in that situation. You know, Montreal was rumored to be on, in on it too. So I, I think if we're going to get a left wing uh, from anywhere, I think it has to be in a trade. And Thomas, what do you think? You think the Ducks go for a trade, or they look for free agency for a left wing? I mean, I think it has to be a trade. Um, if there was a free agent I could pick, it would personally be Louis Erickson. Um, I've always liked his game. The problem is, uh, I've been following um, uh, his uh, possible potential extension in uh, Buffalo over the last several months, um, and what it sounds like is he wants um, a six-year deal, and he's thirty right now. Right now. The Ducks don't need another player who's uh, 30 years old and signed to a six-year deal. Um, that just wouldn't help the team in any way. So scratch him off. Um, again, Andrew Ladd's another player who's going to want big money, big term. Um, same with Milan Lucic. So it'd be nice to get one of them, but they just aren't worth it for the way the Ducks are built right now. Um, so I agree that it has to be through a trade. Um, I mean, there are a number of teams that still need defensive help. Um, you know, Edmonton needs defensive desperately, and after... The draft, you know, they are even more stocked up at forwards than ever before, which is mind-boggling that that happened again. Um, but it actually makes sense this time. So they're very good a possibility. Um, Buffalo has supposedly long coveted Fowler for a number of years. Um, Montreal, it sounds like, also was very interested in him. And then there are a number of other teams that just they do need defensive help. Um, Boston, Detroit, Dallas, Arizona. There could be a deal to work out. Um, with Fowler, with the Prey, with Stoner, with the Exa, with one of those teams, just so the Ducks are clear, a little bit of cap space to make it easier to resign um, Lindholm, Raquel, Pierty, and the rest of the RFAs. Yeah, the Fowler situation's you know very interesting. Obviously, the the talks heated up the uh, the day before the draft, and and even in the morning of day one of the draft, and then it, it kind of died down uh, on on the picks and whatnot of. Uh, trying to make a move for Fowler between uh, Buffalo and Montreal. But, uh, you know, the possibility is still out there. Um, there's still some uh, reports that maybe the Ducks in Montreal might be talking about doing something. So that's, you know, still in the wings. I, I don't doubt that something's going to happen. I mean, uh, we know that Fowler and Dupree um, have been ones that they've taken offers on. Obviously, Fowler being the one that's been, you know, getting more 
uh, of the interest as of late. But um, just because nothing happened these last couple of days, Eddie, uh, you know, there's still the possibility that uh, one of the Ducks defensemen uh, get moved. Yeah, and, and you no, know, we all expected and, and kind of hoped that it would happen during the draft. You know, it, it was kind of stale in, in the, the trades that were announced. Obviously, you know, Datsuk contract got traded. Uh, Andrew Shaw was traded, Brian Elliott, but you know a lot of the names that had been rumored to be traded, especially with the Ducks and Fowler, Dupre, and and even Kevin Shattenkirk with the Blues, Ben Bishop, and a couple other names. Uh, you know nothing of that materialized, and, and you know th- those are big trades, and, and and it takes a while to to work on them. And I think you know it would have been nice to see one of them. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier saying that Kevin Shattenkirk's agent was actually surprised that he's still a St. Louis Blue. Um, after the draft, so I, you know, I think they're they're gonna take time. Um, but with the Ducks, they they really do have to get rid of a left defenseman. I mean, we we're hoping and we all expect Lindholm to be back. You know, Theodore should play next year, uh, and then that third spot has to go to either Fowler or Dupre. So, um, you know, I think Fowler definitely would fetch the bigger return. And if you're looking to get that uh, top line left wing, then you know, I think uh, he's ultimately the one who actually uh, would, would end up going the other way. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's what we're going to have to monitor and see is the de- defense for the Ducks and, and who's going to get moved. I mean, that's what all three of us have talked about. It seems like the next, you know, maybe not the very next move, but definitely one that's going to be coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, but let's, you know, shift gears here and go into the draft now. Uh, uh, Thomas, you know, you covered it. Um, you always do a great job looking over the prospects and, and what's going on. What were your initial thoughts on all the draft picks that, you know, the Ducks ended up, they kept all their picks. They ended up not making any more uh, trades. And what did you think, uh, you know, run run through the players uh, top to bottom and how you felt the Ducks came out? So I think overall the Ducks did, uh, they had a good solo draft. It wasn't a great day for them, um, but they made pretty solid picks with uh, every choice they had. Um, I mean, considering where they were drafting, I wasn't expecting them to get any kind of, oh, my God, elite player must be on the Ducks right now. All these players are number used away from the NHL. Um, so the first pick they made was Max Jones. Um, I actually added him going uh, in the mid-teens to very early 20s, so I was surprised to see him available. Um, I also thought that if he was to live, he was one of the players, if he's available, the Ducks will take him, no questions asked. Um, so he fell to us at 24, which I think is a great pick. Um, he's a nasty piece of work. Think Corey Perry, <laughs> but with less scoring, essentially. Um he does have some discipline issues. He, um, he was suspended for 12 games last year in the playoffs for a blind side hit to the head. So he needs to clean up his act a little bit. Um, but So as long as he can keep that nasty side but not step over the line, he's going to be a very, very solid player for the Ducks in a couple of years. Um, he's only 18. He's playing for the London Knights. He just won the Memorial Cup. Um, so, I mean, Eddie obviously got to see a lot of him last year. Um, so he's going to be there for, I'm assuming, the next two years before he turns pro. Um, so he's going to take a bit of time, but, you know, that's fine. The Ducks can afford to wait on him. Um, their second first-round pick, Max Steele, that one was definitely um, more of a surprise to me and to a lot of people. Um, in the mock drafts and uh, draft reports I was looking over, a few people had him as a, a very late first-round pick, but most had him in the um, as a second-round selection. But since the Ducks didn't have a second-round selection, um, he made a lot of sense to go to pick with that 30th pick that they had since they liked him so much. Um, he's got blazing fast speed. He's a great passer. Um, he's a good goal scorer as well, but he's definitely going to be known more for his um, setup ability than anything else. Uh, and that combined with the speed, some of those descriptions do remind me a bit of Andy McDonald. Um, that's not to say he is Andy McDonald or would turn in Andy McDonald, but right now descriptions remind me of that, so I'm excited to see what he can do um, in a few years. He's probably going to take a little longer. Um, again, he'll be in juniors for the next two seasons, and then I expect him to spend at least a year or two in San Diego um, before he looks to make it to the uh, Ducks lineup. But... Um, I'm excited to see what he can bring with it, because um, one thing that the Ducks kept harping upon was his on-ice vision and his um, just how smart he was on the ice. So those two things uh, make me really excited for him in the future. Um, so the second round, the Ducks have picked, unfortunately. I have no doubt they were trying to acquire one, um, but they weren't able to. So in the third round, um, they picked defenseman uh, Josh, um, I think it's pronounced Mahura, but I'm not, don't quote me on that. Um He's a solid stay-at-home defenseman uh, who last season didn't play a ton because of a knee injury. Um, he was actually injured in the second game of the season and missed the rest of the regular season. But he returned for the playoffs and played all 17 games for the uh, Red Deer Rebels in the WHL. And by all accounts, looked fantastic. It didn't look like he missed an entire year of development. Um, so that has me really excited. Uh, in his rookie season for Red Deer, um, the year before, that was actually the year that got put him on the board in terms of people noticing him and expecting him to be drafted. Um, I think the injury 
is what kept him from being a possibly even an earlier pick, maybe a late second rounder. So getting him in the third round, I think, is a pretty solid choice for the Ducks. Uh, in the fourth round, the Ducks picked up two players. Um, the first is uh, Jack Apaka. Um, he's a little small, um, but he's a self-described skill forward who put who put up 43 points in 67 games uh, in his rookie season in the OHL last year. Um, pretty good numbers. Um, he's someone who's going to take a couple of years of development in the um, OHL, and then we'll see uh, where his career goes from there. Um, their second fourth-round pick was uh, Alex Dosti. Um He's a 19-year-old, so he actually um, is potentially going to turn pro sooner than the rest of these draft picks, um, since uh, he can turn pro as early as a year from now. Um, and then their last pick was uh, Tyler Soy. He's another 19-year-old player. Um, as a seventh-rounder, the odds of him actually making it to the NHL, um, it's not great. And those seventh-rounders all are great. Uh, TSN did actually a list of round-by-round uh, round, the odds of a draft pick making the NHL in the seventh round, I think was below 10%, but you know, players from there obviously still do make it the NHL. Um, and the thing that most excites me about him is his offensive development in the last two years. Um, two years ago, he scored 28 goals. This last season, he scored 46. Um, so that kind of progression in his offensive game, I think is why the Ducks took him at seven, uh, in the seventh round. Um, and also makes me think that, you know what, even though he's a seventh pick, he actually may have a chance um, of making the Ducks lineup someday. And, you know, looking at all these uh, picks, the Ducks went mainly with forwards, Eddie. They went with three centers and two left wings and one defenseman. Um, what do you think of that? You think the Ducks kind of restocked up, you know, in the prospect pool in the minor league? Um, you know, because uh, Murray likes to go for defensemen uh, traditionally, and he only picked one in this draft. Yeah, and, and Murray was kind of modest about that when he said it uh, in, in the, the post-draft comment. He said, you know, forwards just kind of fell to us. But, you know, I, I think that was the plan. I mean, a lot of the the, the, the draft was front-loaded with defensemen, so they were very, very good in the top 15, and then it kind of went down from there. And I think with Max Jones at 24, I mean, you just, you just ha- like Thomas said, you have to take him if he's available there, and I think it was a great pick. And, you know, they, they do have to stock up. On forwards, and we talked about that before. Uh, Murray even said that they've got to pick up a couple centers. Well, they draft three. Uh, they grab some left wingers, and, and then you know you still got to keep your your defense prospect pool. And um, I, I like them drafting Mahara in the third round. Obviously, he was injured all of last season, so that might have hurt his draft stock a bit. But you know you've got the potential there for drafting possibly a, a second rounder in, in the third round. So we'll have to see how he develops. But you know I think all in all it was good work. Um, you get a, a couple crafty centers in Sam Steele and Alex Dusty, and then you've got a goal scorer in Tyler Soy, who has a, an outside shot at making the NHL. And then obviously with, with Max Jones, you've got a you know a similar style to to Richie. You can you can put the puck in the back of the net. He's really physical. He plays a nasty game. So I think all in all, it was a, a pretty good you know um, draft from the Ducks. Obviously, they only had the six picks, but I think they they did well with what they had. You know, you mentioned uh, Jones and Richie in there. We actually got a fan question about that. We had, uh, I'll give this to Thomas. Uh, We had uh, EJ asked about Richie and Jones, and, you know, he wants to know which one do you think will have more success with the Ducks organization long term? So what do you think, Thomas, uh, Richie or Jones? Who do you think will be the, uh, you know, more long term uh, benefit for Anaheim? I guess it depends upon um, which one of them reaches their potential. Richie, he's more of a power, he's more of a scoring power forward. He uses that size to get to the front of the net and put the puck in. Um, he scored a couple of goals in San Diego where he just literally knocked over the fence in front of him. He got the goalie and put the puck into a wide open net. So that's what he can bring to Anaheim um, if he can actually get to that point in the NHL level. Uh, Jones, uh, his game isn't as much finesse, but he also just bowls his way to the front of the net and will knock people over um, even more physically than Jones than uh, Richie will. Um, but again, his uh, game isn't quite as skilled. Um, so it kind of depends upon how they continue to develop, if they can reach their max, max potential. Um, and if they both do, then there's no question in my mind is Nick Ritchie because they play a similar game, but he's going to score more goals. Um, and I think is that potential top line left wing um, we've been looking for. That's not to say that Max Jones isn't going to be a very good effective player um, for us in the future. I think he's someone who, uh, depending upon what the team looks like in the three or four years, um, could look great on any of the top three lines. Like if, if we still have, um, if Getzoff and Perry are still running the Ducks' top line, um, he could fit next to them and just get the, his forechecking presence could create some more space for them. It could ha- make people uh, look away from Perry and Getzoff and focus on him because of uh, how he's just running over hitting everyone. 
you could run uh, a line next to Kessler because their games are very similar. I'm just being uh, greedy and grinding and in-your-face hockey. Um, and, you know, maybe he would even fit the next to Raquel um, because, uh, you know, again, when he... When he's running over you, people tend to pay less attention to the to the skilled player on the ice. So he's a player who I think can fit in up and down the lineup. He won't score as much as Nick Ritchie, but he's a player who can definitely create space for his line mates. You know, another question about uh, Ritchie, Eddie, that kind of came up to my mind right now is the Ducks are looking for you know a left wing, left shot, and they're going out finding one. And if they don't, do you bring up Richie and you play him next year and that's the guy that you're looking for? Or do the Ducks still trade defense, you know, and try and, and get a, a winger and then maybe you keep Richie in San Diego or do something else? I mean, what do you think? Because if the Ducks don't get a left wing that they want, uh, it would kind of seem logical to try to bring Richie up and, you know, give him another run with the team. Yeah, and I think they're looking at that for sure. I, I, obviously, that that's definitely an option available to them. Uh, like I said, they're they're not pressured right now into making a trade, but you know, Murray did say he wants a top left wing. He wants a, a left wing in the league that shoots left and is is, you know, if you look at him from any perspective, he he's a top left wing in the league. And I think it, you can't say that about Richie yet. He obviously has all the potential to get there, and I think he deserves a shot with the Ducks next year. But you know, if, if we go off by what Murray said, I think he's looking more for for like the guys we mentioned in JVR and Erickson and and Nash and, and all those other guys we mentioned on last podcast and and, and earlier in this one. I, I you know I think that's more so what he's looking for, but you know there's there's no question about it. Uh, Richie will get a shot, and and you know if he if he can take an uh, you know take advantage of that opportunity, there's a, a good chance he could fit in on that top line left wing this season. And you know, mentioned uh, giving him a shot again. Obviously, he played last year substantially, and and bringing him up, uh, Thomas. What do you think as far as the other players that are currently in San Diego right now? I mean, obviously uh, Theodore is one of them, but uh, and we can talk about him. But is there anybody else that you would kind of expect uh, to play with the Ducks next year? Uh, you know, out of San Diego. Um, there's a couple of different players I think who have uh, a chance next year um, outside of Shea Theodore and Nick Ritchie. Um, the first is the most obvious one. That's Brandon Montour. Um, his rookie season in San Diego was fantastic. Um, he's come along a long way since he was drafted in the second round a couple of years ago. Um, so he's uh, the first one to watch for. Um, he does need to work on his defensive game, but you know if the Ducks run a couple of injury issues and they need to bring up someone to play um, on their uh, bottom pairing and also to inject a little offense to the blue line, he's the player you bring up. Um, and his offensive potential is even greater than that of uh, Theodore's, which is mind-boggling to say. And um, two years ago, no one thought that possible. Um, but that's just how good good he's become in the last years. So he's the very first one. Um, the uh, uh, the other few that are possible is um, on defense. I think Andy Walensky has a very outside chance. Um, he uh, has played NCAA hockey for the last four seasons um, and made his uh, AHL debut last year with the goal to the end of the season. Um, I believe he played at every single playoff game for the goals, one of the few defensemen who can say that for them. Um, so that means, in my mind, they trust him a lot. Um, so, again, if the Ducks run into injury issues, he's a possibility. Um, another defenseman to watch out for, and I think this one is much less likely, is Jacob Larson. Um, I expect him to be back in the SHL next season. Because um, if, if he doesn't make the Ducks roster, there's a clause contract that he can go back to Sweden to play there instead of playing at San Diego. Um, personally, that's what I expect to happen with him. But you know, if he comes in, has an amazing camp, you never know. Maybe he's got an outside chance of making making the team. Um, at forward, uh, after Richie, the other two big ones um, are Stefan Nason and Nick Pedilis. Um We've seen Nason a couple times over the last couple of seasons. Um, last season, he was finally healthy um, for the first time in his AHL career. Um, and unfortunately, because of his priorities, I think that really hurt him. He didn't have a very good season. So I think this season is kind of um, it's a prove it, make it or break it season for him. If he can actually start putting up those numbers again that he was doing before all those injuries, um, I think we will see him in Anaheim for more than one game this time. Uh, Nick Cordelis has yet to make his uh, NHL debut, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he actually manages to this season. Um, he's a second-round pick from a few years ago. He's a local boy, um, and he's also just a very good uh, um, playmaker. He can play on the left wing. He can also play center. Um, so he's uh, one of those jack of trade players where if you need um, a player in terms of the lineup that can play multiple positions, he's one of the more likely to be chosen and brought up. Um, uh, Thompson being out until you know the trade deadline, there are a couple of bottom six players in San Diego that have a chance. Not a great one, but a chance. Um, the big one being uh, Joseph Camarosa, 
he's uh, he was great in the goals bottom six last year. He even played a top six role on occasion. Um, so he, he's a he's a grinder. He's another player who could just you know fit in uh, on that fourth line next to Gar- Garbutt, next to Wagner, um, depending on if the Ducks don't bring a vet a veteran or two in. Like you know, last season they sent Cittarelli, they sent Stewart. Both of those players play on a fourth line and would push Cromerosa out. If the Ducks don't sign someone like that this year, I think there's an excellent chance for him. Uh, and then finally, the um, last forward who I think might have an outside chance is Andre uh, Kasse. Um, he's a seventh-round pick from a couple of years ago. Um, he missed most of last season with the goals with injury, but when he was with them, he was actually one of their um, better scorers. So he's an outside chance, um, especially since he's a right wing, where the Ducks actually are pretty set uh, on the NHL roster. But again, he's someone who could work on, say, a fourth-line role um, with the Ducks dealing with injury issues. Well, there you have it. I mean, uh, all the depth that we have down in San Diego is definitely going to help uh, with whatever we don't get in free agency. I mean, we're going to see what happens. The free agency uh, is going to open up here July 1st. And, you know, of course, it's going to get crazy as usual. But the good thing about the Ducks is they have depth down there to bring up players. If we don't get people to fill in, like you mentioned, uh, Thompson being out injured, uh, we'll have to see how this left wing uh, deal plays out as well. Um, with that, uh, let's talk about the draft in general, like uh, as far as surprises and things that happened. Uh, I guess the, the, the biggest thing that happened in this one, Eddie, was probably uh, Columbus going with uh, Dubois as their third pick. Uh, and, and then Edmonton ends up getting Pulleyarvi instead. And uh, that kind of really started the draft on, uh, on last Friday, uh, you know, getting a little bit of a crazy start there. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I, I think all season it was really Matthews, Line and Pulleyarvi. That was the top three. Uh, Dubois has had a steady rise all season. Uh, I know Sam Constantino uh, from Sportsnet actually had Dubois ranked third, but he was under the assumption that a team would trade up into third to get Dubois, a team like Vancouver or, or someone who really needs that center. And it was actually Columbus who just ended up taking him, and, and we heard a lot of rumblings the night before the draft that you know maybe Winnipeg wasn't completely sold on Line A, and they were looking at Puljujarvi. Obviously, they end up drafting Line A, and and another, the other assumption was that Yarmo Kikalainen, the the general manager for Columbus, uh, actually didn't like Puljujarvi that much, and you know he's a Finnish GM, and uh, I guess that ends up being true. He might be a little bit harsh on the the Finnish players, and. You know, he ends up taking Pierre-Luc Dubois, and, and for sure it's a surprise. I think we all agree right now, looking at it, Pugliarvi is the better prospect. But, you know, the way Columbus is built, they've got a lot of good wingers in their system coming up. And I know it, it makes sense, but it's a surprise. I mean, you get a guy who can play center and who wants to play center, and, you know, you lost Ryan Johansson. It makes sense to bring in a guy who could be a future number one center in your team. Uh, but it's it's really really hard to pass up on such a good player, and then obviously uh, you know Edmonton doesn't win the draft lottery, but they end up getting lucky in the draft itself, and they draft another <laughs> another possible franchise forward. What are your thoughts, Thomas, on on the craziness that unfolded between Columbus and Edmonton here? I I was shocked. Um, uh, I mean Edmonton, they lose the draft lottery, they don't get that first overall pick finally, and then they still get the third best prospect in the draft, and I was. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, I, what Columbus did is they didn't draft the best player available. They drafted based on a need, um, which in the draft, that's always a very tricky situation to do because um, and the Ducks have always taken the uh, mantra of we will take the best player available. I mean, if there's a need in the pipeline like this year with forwards, they might put a focus on forwards in general. Um, but, I mean, after trading your hands on the there's no question. The Dragons, they do need a franchise center, and they think they just uh, drafted one. Um, but I still think you should take the best player available. If not, then make a trade. You know, Even if it's just trading the third pick to Edmonton with a fourth pick and like a seventh rounder, at least you're getting something else out of it. Um, but yeah, um, personally, I, if, I, if somehow we could have known that um, the Jackets would take Dubois and pass on Puljarvi, um, I would have loved to see the Ducks trade for that fourth pick, but obviously once um, Kuljarvi was still there, there's no way the Oilers are going to give up on him. Um, yeah, I, I was shocked. Uh, we've heard all year about how it's, you know, Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine, and then Kuljarvi. I mean, some even had him um, second overall over Laine for or a lot of the season. Um, but, you know, uh, Laine's great world championships um, and just his incredible play in the uh, second half of the season made him the second overall right. So, um so, yeah, it was very surprising to see that happen. 
And the next surprise uh, came later on. You know, uh, Arizona had the seventh pick, and then they ended up trading Detroit, and they got the 16th pick. And uh, this was kind of interesting, Eddie. I mean, because they ended up taking on uh, Datsuk's contract, but then they got to Churon. So that was a pick that also had, you know, fallen low. You know, everybody had thought he had gone up higher. Uh, what did you think about this trade and the pick, uh, you know, in this one? Because it was uh, kind of a surprise. There was a delay on the clock at the time, and everyone was trying to figure out what was going on. And then finally they had announced that this trade had been made. Yeah, I, I think Arizona did very well at the draft. I, I, I think being the team that was was so so far from the salary cap floor, being able to bring in Datsuk's contract, you're not hurt for too long. I believe he's only got one or two more years left on it. So in the development stage that, that Arizona's in, you know, they're not going to compete next year. I think they surprised a lot of people with how well they did at the beginning of the season. Uh, but you know, they're, they're, they're definitely not going to compete. They brought in Goligoski. They've still got Oliver ekman Larson, you know, Domi Duclair, Strom should be there soon. Christian Dvorak, um, you know, they drafted Clayton Keller, which I think was a very good pick for them at number seven, uh, very skilled forward. And then getting Jacob Chitron all the way down at 16, you know, is great for them, too. And, and being able to just move up from 20 to 16 to, to get him, I think, was a great move. I, I know you have to take on Datsuk's contract, but you know, the fact of the matter is, if, if any team was going to take it on, Arizona was the most likely team with, with the, the low salary cap they have. So, you know, all in all, I think they they did a really good a really good thing there. They they ended up grabbing two players, uh, you know, two really good players in, in the first round, and you know, really helped their development. And Thomas, what did you think of uh, Dallas and Arizona making this move? Dallas. Detroit. Sorry, Detroit. Detroit. My bad. Detroit. And no worries. It's early. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of go back and forth on this one. Um, if Chitrin works out, it's a <clears throat> a very, very good deal uh, for Arizona because um, they got a player they were really heavily targeting. So if he works, turns into the player they want, um, it, I think it's a great deal for them. My issue is they helped Detroit out of a very, out of a very, very tricky situation. Um, Datsuk's got one year left. I believe it's at $7.5 million. Um, they now have the cap space to go for Stephen Stamkos. Um, if you're going to take on Datsuk's contract, um, I feel that they should have asked for more. Um, yeah, they got that first round pick, but they also gave up a first round pick. So they only moved up four spots in the draft. Um, I just feel that if you're going to take on Detroit's contract, um, you need to make them hurt a little bit more. You got to take a little more, whether it's more picks, whether it's one of their prospects. You say, I only do this if you give me Anthony Mantha, one of their top prospects. Detroit probably says no, and then they have to eat Datsuk's contract. They can't sign Stamkos. It's just how it goes. Um, so I like what. Uh, Arizona did in terms of getting that pick because they really like uh, the player, obviously. I don't like how they helped out Detroit without asking for more from them. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I, that's the one thing that I kind of had issue with, too, when Detroit and Arizona made this deal. Um, I, I felt, uh, like Eddie said, I, I, I didn't think it was unfair, but I definitely thought Arizona could have got a little bit more out of that. And it kind of goes into now the you know the race for Stamkos, Eddie, because... Detroit's made room now to go after him. There's several other teams uh, that can go after Stamkos, and you know, the, you know, it doesn't look like he's coming back based upon the comments that Eiserman made at the draft. So, what do you think about Detroit and some of these other teams jumping in the the race to pick him up? Yeah, you know, Detroit's definitely in there, and a lot of uh, of GMs have cryptically said that they're going to go in and get Stamkos. I, I think it was Tim Murray who said he's going to go after the the big fish in free agency, and I think we all know we all know who that's going to be and. You know, Toronto's been in on them all year. Buffalo's creeped their way in. Obviously, Detroit now. Uh, there's also uh, t- t- the Rangers are in on them too. So there's a fair amount of teams in all, all Eastern Conference teams. Obviously, Tampa Bay still has a chance to bring them back. But you know, there's a lot of possibilities for them out there. You know, Buffalo has enough salary cap to bring him in. They've got a young team ready to get going. I think there's a log jam at center if they bring him in. But you know, it, it's hard to pass up on a guy like Steven Stamkos. Uh, and obviously, his hometown team in, in Toronto. Uh, it's been a long time, you know, rumored team for him to go to. And now, obviously, with Detroit emerging and, and the Rangers trying to get in the mix, there's a lot of interesting options for him come free agency. And, you know, this is one of the biggest stories uh, at this time of year in, in a long time in the NHL. You don't see a lot of these players ever get to free agency, uh, players of that quality. So uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, to which team he goes to. Yeah, and talking about trades, uh, there weren't too many that went on this, the past couple of days. Uh, we saw another one involving uh, Andrew Shaw. He ended up going to Montreal. Uh, what did you think about that trade, Thomas? Um, I see. He's a restricted free agent. I think it depends upon what they sign him for. 
Um, I saw a rumor on Twitter that he's asking for six or seven years. Um, and if that's the case, then I don't like this deal from Montreal. He's a good player, but he's not a player I would invest seven years in. Um, four years, sure. Five, uh, that's probably as high as I'd go. But if you get, really want six or seven, uh, I don't like that kind of term for um, what he brings. But if they sign with a reasonable deal um, of four or five years, I think it's a good deal move for them. And after the way last year, they need help. <laughs> Oh, I agree. I, I I think you're right. I think you know you know three four years maybe at, at the most. Uh, you know six seven is a little bit too crazy on that end. Uh, looking at the draft, was there any other moves, uh, Eddie? Uh, there's a couple other trades out there. Um, anything else that you uh, want to touch on or you were surprised about? Uh, I mean, obviously we're all surprised with the the Jesse Pierre Pierre Dubois thing. Um, you know, Brian Elliott being the goalie that ends up going to Calgary was a, a little bit surprising. You know, um, I think the uh, I think the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, in my opinion, did really well getting Julian Gauthier at, at 21. I think that was, uh, you know, he fell from where he was ranked uh, earlier on in, in the year. And then I think also the Rangers getting Sean Day in, in the third round. Uh, you know, not many players get granted exceptional status in, into the OHL. And all the, the last three that did were taken first overall. And, and uh, you know, obviously they ended up getting him in the third round as a, you know, as a defenseman for Mississauga. So I think that's definitely one to watch out for, for there. I think that was, in my opinion, a big surprise because, you know, the last three players who've been granted uh, exceptional status, they've all, you know, we know Connor McDavid and I believe uh, Sidney Crosby. And I think it's Steven Stamkos. I, I can't say for sure. I know for sure it's Connor McDavid. And, you know, the, the, the quality of those players to see a guy you know, the, uh, that was granted the same thing go so low was a surprise to me. And Thomas, your uh, final thoughts on the draft? I think for me, um, Edmonton had a great draft. I thought Calgary did great. Um, Toronto, I mean, they got Austin Matthews. That alone was a great draft. Winnipeg had a great draft. Um, I'm not entirely sure what Boston was doing. They made a couple of, let's call them interesting picks um, that, you know, they could work out. But, I mean, they had, but they're, um, when they picked 20th overall, they picked Trent Frederick. Most people had him as a very late second round or even a third round pick. Um, so it was surprising to see him go that early. Um, and then there are a few teams that actually didn't even have a first-round pick. Um, the Sharks didn't, the Kings didn't, the Hawks didn't. And I hate to say it, but I think both Chicago and L.A. made good picks with the, um, their first pick of the draft. So Chicago, they got um, Alexander Debrincat, 39th overall. Um, a lot of people had him as a um, player who would be go in the mid-20s in the first round. Um, he was one of the players I was looking at as the Ducks to possibly take. Um, he's small, he's 5'7", but he can score. He knows how to score. Um, so I think that's a great pick for them. Uh, the Kings, um, they got Kill. I think it's pronounced Kale Clegg. He's a defenseman. Um, they got him 51st overall. He's another player who um, was probably going to be a late first-round pick. So the value of those two got in the second round, I think, is very good for them. Um, which, you know, being LA and Chicago, I really hate to say it, but, you know, props to them for those two picks. Um, I thought those were very solid first picks for the second round for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, the Kings and Chicago, like you said, did pretty well. Uh, granted, they didn't have that first-round pick, as you talked about. Um, with that, uh, we're pretty much going to wrap up uh, talking about the draft. Uh, we are going to have uh, Alex Dosti come on, and we're going to uh, ask him a couple questions, and we're going to go into that right now. All right, with us uh, today, we have a special guest. Uh, Alex Dosti uh, was picked up by the Ducks in the draft in the fourth round. And uh, first off, Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, no problem. Uh, Alex, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You know, um, obviously you're only 19. You got drafted by the Ducks, but give a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, uh, well, I'm from Drummondville, Quebec. So I'm French, so maybe my English will, will be, sometimes I will do some mistake. But yeah, I'm from Drummondville, Quebec. Uh, I live in uh, with my my parents and I have a brother. He's 22, so he's three years old older than me. And uh, when I when I was young, uh, I just started playing outside with with my brother and, and their friends and my friends. We're a big uh, big a big hockey town with the the Drummond Vulture, the junior team back back uh, back home. And yeah. I played like everybody in minor hockey uh, with with all the, the people in Brownville. I traveled a lot after I was drafted first round with the Gatineau Olympics in the Quebec Junior Major Hockey League. 
And then after that, it's just after my first season at 16, I had a surgery in my shoulder, my uh, left shoulder. So after that, at my 17 year, years old uh, year uh, with the team, and you know, a decent season was not my best season, so I was ignored the in the draft last year. So this year uh, I had a good season, and the Ducks picked me up. Does it uh, does it help playing in in Gatineau, being from Drummondville, and just being so so much closer to home that you know you don't have to end up going to the OHL or to the WHL, and and you know being um, you know miles and, and different provinces away from your your hometown. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it's it's only like three hours uh, of car of a of road. So mm-hmm. you know, my parents are coming often to come see the game. My girlfriend too. So yeah, yeah, it really helps. So you've uh, played the last three seasons in Gatineau, and, and now obviously being drafted for the Ducks. I, I believe you you still have one more year of uh, eligibility left with uh, with Gatineau. Do you expect to to be there next year, or do you expect to maybe challenge for a spot at, at training camp? Yeah, 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 yeah. I expect I expect to to go back in the in junior with the Gatineau Olympics because I can't I can't go uh, HL because I'm only nineteen next year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I'm. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't think I'm ready in NHL now. Yeah. I think it's okay. I need to work on different aspects, and I need to to work on my strength too in the gym. But yeah, you know, it's junior hockey, so I don't know if I'm gonna go back to get no. You never know. You never know what happened. But I think they they like me there too. So yeah, I expect to go back and get no next year. So if uh, if you go back to Gatineau next year and you, you get teamed up again with uh, line mate Vitaly Abramov, is he gonna have a little bit of uh, a little bit of something over top of you, getting drafted in, in the third round, a little bit above you? <laughs> I don't think uh, we're like that. Yeah, uh, he's, he's just a good he's just a good friend, and <laughs> you know uh, he's he you know he's happy for me. I talked to him on the phone, and it was just you know. He was so happy for me, and same same as me. You know, he's a good player. I think we have a we yeah we're good together, and uh, I hope we have a new coach this year, and I hope he he saw he see that and he, he tries something with the, him and me. Yeah, and a lot of your former coaches I've seen, especially uh, former Gatineau coach Benoit Grill, uh, compared you a lot to to Matthew Perot. Uh, I know you're you're kind of modest about that, and, and you like to be your own player. But do you model your game after Perot, him being from the same city and same midget program, or do you model yourself after you know a different type of player in the NHL? Yeah, well, of course, I saw him play a lot, Perot, because he's from where I'm from, and I, I train with him uh, in the summer, and I play with him on, on the ice with Sean Couturier. So we have we have pretty good player here, and yeah, you know, I, like since I'm young, everybody can comp- compare me to Matthew Perro, and of course, it's it's nice to hear because he's a very very good player. But you know, I, I try to to play like me, you know, not compare myself, just be be like me. And I think every player is different, but yeah, it's a good comparison. I think uh, you guys saw him play with the Ducks, yeah. So you know, you know what's my my mm-hmm. style of play. So um, we all saw the the tweet yesterday when you thanked the the Ducks and everything, and and uh, we saw. Were you not at the draft yesterday? Yeah, yeah, I was not in Buffalo because uh, I talked with my agent, and he told me um, he told me you know we we never know in a draft, so maybe mm-hmm. you you were going to to be drafted in sixth or seventh round. So he said I suggest you not to come because the um, development camp. Uh, are gonna be just you know three days after, so you're gonna receive your shirt. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know like the ducks like me that much. So if I knew, <laughs> if I knew I was about to go uh, fourth round with the ducks, I'd probably go. But you know, it's okay. I had a good time last night with some family and some friends. And we celebrated. It was pretty cool. So are you watching on TV, or like were you pretty relieved to to hear your name come up in the fourth round? Yeah. I was in the twit on Twitter because I was just always refresh refreshing the the page, and I was about to uh, to eat breakfast, and you know I was like, oh, it's only uh, the fourth round, so I have time to eat and everything, and I received a text from my friend who who who, who, were, who was in the draft, uh, in the draft, and he just 
he just texted me good job and i was just like what happened so i refreshed <laughs> refresh my my twitter page and i saw i was drafted so i was just so happy and yeah it was very fun you know, just uh, one more question for you, Alex, before you go. But before you came on, uh, we had talked about um, you getting, you know, obviously drafted and being excited. Um, how does it feel? Because you had mentioned, you know, last year at the draft, you thought maybe you had gotten picked up and, you know, it didn't work out. And uh, is there anything you would maybe tell other people? Because, you know, there's other players out there, too, that, that sometimes yeah. they don't get picked up in the draft and maybe they get down on themselves. Yeah, well, sometimes for sure. Sure, some things that happen, a lot of things can happen in the season. Like me, I was injured in surgery, so, you know, that was not my best year. And, you know, what can I say? It's it, it's not because your first uh, draft eligibility, you're not going in, uh, you know, you're, you're not getting picked up. You're just still working. And I think the, the major way to, to go through that is in the summer, you know, I changed my nutrition. Uh, I changed uh, my training, you know, I, I just, in my head it was, I was telling me, I was telling myself, you know, it's not going to happen again. And I think you need to, when, when the, there's not happening, you need to, um, to take that and just learn, learn what you need to do to be better. And I think uh, that that's the way you can make it. Well, you know what, Alex? Uh, thank you for coming on the show. We're really excited that uh, you know you're part of the organization. Uh, I, I live really close to uh, San Diego, obviously down the street from Anaheim. So I'm hoping to see you maybe in a year in San Diego with the goals, and uh, we'll be in contact. You know, obviously on social media and whatnot. And just appreciate you coming on our show. Yeah, perfect. No problem. And again, uh, thanks to Alex for coming on the show and talking about his draft experience. You know, we hope to see him uh, in San Diego and eventually in Anaheim as well. Uh, some other news that came up around in the NHL this week was the uh, expansion news, uh, Eddie, as far as Las Vegas coming in and the expansion draft, which has obviously affected the Ducks with the uh, the Anderson deal. Um, there's two protected lists that teams have to choose from, and they can either go with option A, which is seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goaltender, or they can go with option B, which is eight skaters, a combination of forwards and defensemen, and then one goaltender. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, for the Ducks, it kind of affects them a little bit with the no movement clauses as well. How, how do you think the Ducks might uh, look at this and um, go from you know either option A or B? Yeah, and I think it all depends on how their roster looks next season. Obviously, we expect a lot of turnover and change to still occur. Obviously, you know, either Fowler or Dupre has to go, and I think that's a, a big determination of, of which one they go with. I think if Fowler's still here, you know, then you've got four defensemen that you want to protect and one you have to protect. So you would have Lindholm, Vatten, and uh, Fowler, and um, and Manson. You would want to protect, and then you've got BX as well, who you have to protect. And, you know, it, it's a tough one. I, I still think Fowler ends up getting traded, so then you've only got to choose between... Uh, between uh, Fowler, I sorry, between Lindholm, Vatanen, and Manson, and then whatever you end up doing with Bieksa, but you know, then you've got the forwards too. You've got a uh, Kessler, Perry, and Getzlaff who are already automatically there. Then you've either got you want to choose between Silverberg and Raquel and Cogliano, and there's your six forwards right there. And if they end up trading Fowler for a top left wing, you've got seven. So you know, in the end, I think realistically they go with option A and seven forwards and three defensemen. But it, it really all depends on what their their roster looks like come next year. Thomas, what do you think, uh, you know, if the Ducks go with option A or B? Um, so, like I said, it depends upon who's with the team. Um, if we trade Cam Fowler for, you know, I don't know, Taylor Hall or someone, then you want to protect that new player you're bringing in. Um, if you sign a high-end free, uh, free agent, you probably want to protect that player unless they absolutely bomb while they're here. Um, and I like option A better just because you're protecting more of your team. Um, but because the duck strength is in their defense, um, option B actually does look kind of nice. Um, thankfully, um, a lot of the Ducks young talent, Nick Ritchie, Shea Theodore, they should be fine. Um, since all first and second professionals, um, don't, will not count towards it. Um, so that's great. The Ducks future should still be fine. Um, that does mean that a player like Stefan Mason does not count, so he could be taken. Because um, I do know that uh, the Las Vegas team, they have to take 30 players. So that means some players they were choosing will be for their um, minor league system. Uh, however, that ends up working out for them. So that's another option. They could take someone from the goals instead of the Ducks. 
Um, as for the um, 10 versus 8, um, and the, the thing that throws the uh, hitch into the plant is Kevin Bieksa, um, because he has no movement clause, so he has to be protected. Um, and then after him, you know, if all the defense, are, if the entire defense is still here, you'd want to protect Lawton, Fowler, um, Lindholm, Manson. Um, at least those four, Bieksa um, makes five. Uh, that's simply too much. Um, if we trade one, then we still have four players, but that still is the um, leaving an option B of the eight skaters instead of seven forwards and three defensemen. Um, what would be nice is if Bob Murray has to talk with BX and says, you know, um, you've got a no-movement class, but you can waive it so you um, are eligible to be selected in the expansion draft. Um, we can almost guarantee they're not going to choose BX up. Um, that will allow the Ducks to protect three of their young defensemen still protect seven forwards. And Murray could even say, you know, if you don't do this, I will buy you out instead. Um, so I'm kind of hoping they have that conversation saying, you know, waive this or, you know, we simply can't have that no clause during the expansion of process getting in the way of protecting our other young defensemen. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's exactly what, you know, should go down. I mean, if the Ducks are going to move a defenseman, uh, obviously Fowler is the one that's been talked about the most. But, I mean, if they're going to move uh, him, uh, you've got to keep Votnin and Lindholm. I mean, of course, they, the Ducks got to re-sign Lindholm as well. But both of them you need to, to keep. you got to take Manson with it as well. So there's your three. And then you're stuck with BX and the no movement clause. And I, I think Thomas makes a good point there, Eddie, is if you can waive the no movement clause, which you do with Bieksa, that's uh, something you go for because you've got to protect these other younger guys uh, as opposed to Bieksa. He's lower on the totem pole. Yeah, and, and realistically, too, he would still stay with the Ducks after that. I think a team would be more interested in, say, taking a younger guy like Simon Dupre instead of BXS. So, you know, may, he may waive that. And then with the team only being able to pick one player from the Ducks, they either go for one of our forwards that we don't protect or they go for uh, Dupre. And I, I think. I think it's a good option if and, and even if he does say no and, and you can always use a buyout or, or a trade or something. So I think I think that's a realistic option. Like you both said, we have to protect uh, Linton Botten and, and, and most likely Manson um, is our three guys that we protect. And, you know, I, I think Kevin, I think he would waive it. I, I think in that circumstances, if he believes he could stay or if he if even if he's not opposed to going to, to Vegas. So. No, we'll have to wait and see, and, and uh, you know it's going to be the the topic of next off season, that's for sure. Uh, definitely, and uh, like Thomas, you know, we talked about the the numbers. You know, uh, ten uh, forwards and defensemen in option A. You know, combined seven and three there, and then uh, in B, you've got the option of only eight total. So, I mean, you really want to try and protect those players, especially if the Ducks make a trade and they get in a left wing that they like. Uh, both of you guys mentioned the other players as well. Um, Raquel, we bring him back. You have Silverberg. You have Cogs. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on here. So. This expansion draft definitely, um, you know, puts a damper kind of, I think, in what's been going on uh, in the draft a little bit, Thomas. Uh, you know, we didn't see a lot of moves. I think a lot of the GMs are, are trying to figure out, you know, not it's not just the needs of what the team has, but they also got to figure out, okay, who am I going to get and be able to keep and, and not necessarily, you know, try and make a trade or sign someone just to lose them in a season. Yeah, it definitely does make it a little more difficult for teams moving forward because, like, Hey, there's this great player that's available, but if we pick him up, then we're going to lose this other great young player we already have on our roster. So it's going to, um, I think one of two things are going to happen. There's either going to be almost no trading in the next year, or there's going to be a ton of trading as teams try and figure out who they're keeping versus who they can get rid of. And a team like the Ducks with so much um, defensive depth, both on their roster and in their uh, prospect system, says, you know, we can afford to lose one of these players, but we don't want to lose, you know, Cam Fowler for free. We want to trade him. Um, so we get something back, but then there's another team say, you know, we don't really want to take him back um, and give something up for him because, um, sure, we need the help, but we also want to keep what we have and protect what we have. So I think it could make either a ton of trades happen or just make GMs very, very cautious. Um, since this is the first time there's been expansion in the salary cap era, um, I think most GMs are going to be a little more timid. But there always are a few GMs that, you know, get out there and make a lot of moves in the offseason, Bob Murray being one of them. So it wouldn't shock me to see a bunch of moves in the next year, but also wouldn't shock me if teams just said, you know, we're going to sit with what we have and just see what, how it plays out. 
Yeah, and I agree. Like you said, the salary cap era—it's—it's it's going to be an interesting uh, year uh, in the NHL. Uh, come, you know, obviously this free agency here in July, then come the trade deadline in the middle of the season as well. It, it, I agree with you. It could go either way. You may see a whole bunch of movement, or you may not see too much at all. Um, around the league, the uh, only other uh, news that we do have coming up here is uh, the uh, Hall of Fame, and we've got six players on this list. You've got Eric, Indros, Eric Lindros, Paul Correa, Dave Anderchuk, Chris, uh, Curtis Joseph, Mark Recchi, and Jeremy Roenick. So we've got six that are going to go in. And uh, what are your thoughts, Eddie? Uh, I mean, obviously, Paul Correa, we know we want him in there, but what do you think about these six players and their chances of making the Hall of Fame? You know, I think they all have a pretty good chance. Obviously, it, the, the class gets revealed on, on Monday, but. You know, I think Eric Lindros. Uh, you know, I think he's a consensus pick right now. He's been uh, he's been passed on already. A lot of people think he should already be in there. And and with no like uh, elite for sure lock this year, I think you know there's a good chance he gets in. And obviously, Dave Anderchuk too with his career with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning and and everything he's done. And you know, I I think there's definitely a shot for him. I mean, all of these guys deserve it. Yes. Um, is, are all of them going to get in? I, I don't know. I mean, Curtis Joseph had a, had a great career, had a you know a couple great seasons. Obviously, played with Toronto, and I mean, all over the place. Really, he he was uh, with many different teams over his career. Um, we I mean, Paul Career. We all know Paul Career and what he's done for the Anaheim Ducks. And obviously, his career derailed a lot by concussion. Still ended up being a, a point per game player, just shy of uh, just eleven games shy of a, a thousand. Is a, well eleven points uh, eleven points shy of a thousand too, and he never won a Stanley Cup. So that does hurt him a little bit. But I mean, we would all love to, for sure, to love to have an, a, a Ducks player in, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you got Mark Recchi too. Uh, you know, played a sixteen hundred game, over sixteen hundred games in NHL, almost a point per game player. Uh, you know, you would expect a lot of those guys to to get into the, the Hall of Fame. You know, he's won individual awards. His, his statistics are good. They, they seem to be Hall of Fame worthy. So, you know, I mean, he's definitely a guy you would expect. And then, uh, I mean, Jeremy Roenick too. I mean, he's been a character for for his whole career, <laughs> and he's been a character now with uh, I believe he's with uh, NHL Network or NBC in, in the states, and he's a character there too. So, uh, I mean, he he's won a lot of uh, major awards. He, he scored a lot of goals in his career. Never won a Stanley Cup either, but um, no, I don't think that's going to hurt him for too much. I think he still has a chance of getting in for sure. And Thomas, what are your thoughts on these players? I mean, <clears throat> since there are no uh, slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famers who retired three years ago, I mean, they're obviously going back to the well in terms of players who have passed over. And these all six have an argument for, all six have an argument against. Um, on this list, uh, I think Mark Recchi, Dave Vanderchuk, and Eric Lindros are the three I would pick. Um, I, and they don't have to uh, choose four players for the Hall of Fame review. They can choose less. They have done that in the past. Um, and Eric Lindros, you know, he was arguably one of the best, if not the best player in the NHL in the mid to late 90s. Um, but injuries could have so short. He never won a cup. But, I mean, he was so good. Um, and we, we've seen other players put up similar numbers in a short amount of time, um, make it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Pavel Bure, Cam Neely, Peter Forsberg. So I think he has a very, very good chance. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard with a player who played less than 800 career games and never won a cup. Um, Andrew Chuck, um, I've, uh, I always really liked him. Um, he's the NHL all-time leader in power play goals. He won a Santa Cup back in 04 Tampa Bay in what was um, a pretty amazing one to watch. Um, but the problem for him is... Uh, he played for uh, how many? For 23 seasons. So one of the reasons why he's so far off the uh, scoring charge is simply because he stuck around for so long in the league. Um, he was never that elite, you know, 50-60 goal scorer, but he did score 50 one time and had 42 others, but he was never, like, the best player in the league at any given time. Um, still, I think because of, I think his longevity, personally, I think that should help his argument to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and that combined with, you know, that Senate Cup on four. Yeah, this power play goals. I think he should be in there personally. Um, yeah, Cujo, he is uh, he's fourth all time in wins, uh, which frankly makes it astounding. He has never that he hasn't been elected into the Hall of Fame yet. Um, but you know, he never won a cup. He never reached the final. Um, and his numbers, the wins are amazing. But um, a lot of people look at him and say, you know, he was just always on very very good teams which is why he won so many games. So uh, he's a really tough call. Um, you know, if he makes it in, I think it'd be fine. 
But if he doesn't, I don't think I'm going to lose any sleep over it. Um, <laughs> Paul Curry is a really hard one for me because, uh, you know, he was exactly point per game, 989 points, 989 games. Um, we know how great he was with the Ducks in the uh, 90s. Um, but, you know, post-2000, he was never the same player. Um, he had concussion issues. Um, and in his last season with the Ducks on three, I think he scored 25 goals. But, you know, it's that's really not a bad season. But for his career production, that took it lower. And after he left Anaheim, um, you know, he had a couple of nice years in Nashville and St. Louis. He was just never that same player he once was. He never had much postseason success other than um, reaching the final in 03. Um, so he's one I could easily see uh, going either way on. Um, without any, um, you know, elite first-time candidates who are definitely going in, I think this is probably one of the best years Korea's going to have to make it into the Hall of Fame. Um, but again, because they don't have to choose the full four, um, maybe they just choose fewer and don't pick him. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know how Mark Recchi's not in the Hall of Fame yet, frankly. Um, you know, fourth times in games played, 12th in points, 20th in goals, 15th in assists. Um, you know, he was around forever. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he should be picked this time, frankly. There's no question in my mind. Um, Ronick's one of the best American-born players of all time. Personally, I find him kind of annoying. Um, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that doesn't come into play. Um, in terms of Hall of Fame selection. Uh, so, um, I think, you know, he's a 500 goal scorer. He's put up about 1,300 points and has one of the best Americans of all time. I think it'd be hard to keep him out, especially, the, again, the, with this year, with um, there not being a lot of choices. So, if I had to pick, um, it would be Recky, it would be Lindros um, as my two for sure. And then, um, after that, I'd say probably Andrew Trick and Ronick, personally. Yeah, that, actually, what you went with is what I would go with, too. I, I really think Lindros and Recky will definitely uh, get in there for sure. Um, I, it's unfortunate. I, I want Korea to get in there, but I think that's going to be a tough sell. You know, um, but it, We're going to just have to see what happens when they announce it uh, coming up this week. But those are the six ones that they have listed on uh, NHL.com that could be brought in. Uh, you can see the article on the website. It's one of the top uh, articles there on on the uh, first page of the website, so check it out. And uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show. We'll probably be back next week. Uh, depends on you know what happens uh, come this uh, Friday and Saturday with the you know free agency starting. There'll probably be a lot of movement and a lot of things to talk about. We'll see how it affects the Ducks, and we'll obviously come back and talk about it and give you our thoughts. Thanks for listening, and let's go Ducks. <laughs>